Welcome, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. This is Brother Jimmy Fortunato, and you're listening to a sermon from the Pilgrim Baptist Church in Tennessee. For more information about our church, please visit us on the web at pilgrimbaptist.church. All right, let's open our Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter number 2. It seems like we're stuck here in verses 1 through 5, but we're gleaning a lot of uh, little details from these five verses. I feel they're very powerful verses, all the Bible is, but God has us here, so let's read. Verse number 1, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, The same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Help me to handle it properly this morning. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Memorial Day weekend in America this weekend remembers all the people who died serving our country in the armed forces. Culturally, Americans used to go to cemeteries. They used to place flags on the graves of our war dead heroes. They used to remember their friends and their loved ones who gave the ultimate sacrifice. Conflicts of the past, the uniform, the flag, all of this helps to remember that our freedom here in America came at a cost. And today people still do that, but more on a limited basis. Memorial Day now, it's usually who's got the best sale on a 12-pack. It's usually which Hollywood movie is going to break the records for the first summer movie big promo. It's let's get to the beach early so we don't get caught in traffic. We tend to forget that almost 2 million Americans gave their lives since 1775. You would think that all Americans would remember this. And I guess they do in some way, but really, all of them don't. We all don't. And we can all use the reminder. Instead, you know where we're at in our country? Most people, they're just going to numb themselves in a drunken state for four days, and hopefully the alarm clock goes off on Tuesday morning when it's back to the work, back to the grind. Our gospel is a Christian gospel. It's not an American gospel. I love America, I love our flag, I love our country, I love our war heroes, but we're not preaching an American gospel, we're preaching a Christian gospel, and that's for all the world. Our church should be a New Testament church. We're not an American church, although we're in America, and although we love America, and although we love the freedoms in America, our message can go If a Chinaman is in here, they can hear the truth. If a Japanese man is in here, they can hear the truth. Anybody can hear the truth of the gospel. 
We're not here to preach America. We're here to preach Christ. I love the freedoms that we have in America. And this weekend, we ought to remember that our freedom came at a cost. Came at a cost. And there really isn't any way to put into descriptive words war. Only those that have gone through it. Freedom, you know how it's won? By battles, by conflicts. Truth is made known by fighting for it. Many, many, many American war heroes were baptized in their own blood so that you and I can have the freedoms that we have today. One of those freedoms to be able to meet freely and talk about Jesus. The message this morning as we go through verses 1 through 5 is that conflict is absolutely necessary. It's necessary for truth. It's necessary for righteousness. It's necessary for goodness. You know, the Bible says Jesus Christ in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, the, he, the, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. But then also says in Exodus 15, 3, the Lord is a man of war. And the Lord is his name. And Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he introduces this chapter in 2 Timothy with an appeal to the warrior spirit. And this call for conflict, you know what it needs? Strong men. Not sissified men. Not baby whiner complainer men. Strong men. That's why it says, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the modern church is a parody of truth at best. The church is not supposed to be for entertainment purposes. It's not supposed to be for the enjoyment of men and women and boys and girls. It's supposed to be truth. Truth. You know, Peter, James, John, they were loyal. They were reliable. They were hardworking. Let's get First John. Chapter 2, verse number 14. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. You ready for battle? You ready to be strong? Paul was ready for battle. You can picture it in your mind. He, the helmet of salvation. The breastplate of righteousness. His feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You know what we've got today in modern churches and modern preachers? we got a cool haircut, moosed out, just oh so right, so he can kind of relate to all the kids. He's got his nice, cool, faded-out ripped jeans. He's got a button-up shirt. He's going to unbutton the top two buttons. None of these things are wrong. None of these things are sinful. But it's an appeal to, hey, I'm cool. I'm casual. 
Just come as you are. I've got flip-flops. You've got flip-flops. We can all sit back with our flip-flops and relate. No, we can't. You're a joke. It's an appeal to just, hey, it's no big deal, man. Everything's cool. Everything's casual. They forget the conflict. There's no fighting for righteousness. There's no fighting for truth. There's no fighting for anything that has to do with Bible doctrine. Let's just agree on these few little things and then we'll make fun of the guys that actually preach the truth. And that's exactly what's going on in our churches in America today. Good Bible-believing preachers are made fun of by the mega outfit. They are. You really think that guy with moose in his hair and his flip-flops on and a pair of casual ripped jeans, he's going to withstand principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places? He's not. He's not a warrior for Christ. He's a fraud. He's a fraud. He's not ready for battle. He's about as ready to play video games as all the little kids in his youth group are. What's wrong with video games? Nothing. But all these entertainments, all these amusements that take us away from the main thing, let me say that a different way, never even allow us to do any of the main thing, is a problem. Is a problem. We need men who are strong. Men that won't shame their brothers and sisters. They won't shame their mother or father. They won't shame their Savior. But it's a conflict. And the call for boys, girls, men, and women is to get in the fight. Say, what's wrong with amusement? What's wrong with entertainment? Nothing. You want to play video games for eight hours? Fine. But when are you going to get into the fight? When are you going to fight for some truth, some righteousness? When are you going to... That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. And it's not what the modern preacher says, it's what the modern preacher doesn't say. There's a conflict. We need strong men to get into the conflict. Strong men to catch the warrior spirit for Christ. The other thing the conflict needs is it needs leaders. Strong leaders. Paul was a leader. He saw Timothy as a leader. And Timothy taught, he's told to taught others to be leaders. As way back in the Old Testament, we see leaders organized for battle. Let's get over to Numbers. We don't go over there too much. But we're going to look at Numbers chapter number 2. Numbers chapter number 2. I want to see a couple of things here. Look at verse number 3. Numbers chapter 2 verse 3. This is on the east side. This is on the east side. Go down to the end of the verse. And Nashon, the son of Abinadab, shall be captain of the children of Judah. Go down to verse number 5. And Nathanael, the son of Zuar, shall be captain of the children of Issachar. Go down to verse number 7. 
And Eliab, the son of Helon, shall be captain of the children of Zebulon. See, the army of the Lord, it's not a cliche saying. They were organizing for battle. They had leaders set up as captains. Look at Numbers, Numbers chapter 10. On the south side. Shall be the standard of the, cap, of the camp of Reuben according to their armies. And the captain of the children of Reuben shall be Elizur, the son of Shedor. Go down to verse 12. And the captain of the children of Simeon shall be Shalumiel, the son of Zerushadai. Now go down to verse 14. Then the tribe of Gad and the captain of the sons of Gad shall be Eliasaph, the son of Ruiel. Now let's look at the west and the north side. Go down to Numbers chapter 2, verse 18. On the west side shall be the standard of the camp of Ephraim according to their armies. And the captain of the sons of Ephraim shall be Elishama, the son of Amahu. Go down to verse 25. Numbers 2, 25. The standard of the camp of Dan shall be on the north side by their armies. And the captain of the children of Dan shall be Ehizior, the son of Amishadei. And now look at Numbers 2.31. They shall go hindmost with their standards. Hindmost is in the rear, meaning these were just the guys that were in the back. <laughs> That's a lot of people. That's a lot of military men. That's a big army. Now, you can go through Numbers 2 and you can read all the details and you can add up all the numbers. It's a six-figure army. That's a lot of men. You know what the Lord army needs today? Some captains. You know what we got instead? A cool guy with a slick haircut, a happy slappy attitude, a hippy dippy philosophy. And here we go. Let's get some girls with some yoga pants up and let's have them rock out. You think they're ready for conflict? They're ready for the beauty parlor. That's what those guys are ready for. Sorry, when you, <laughs> we're going to, it's Mr. Rogers all over again, but it, it's, in the, it's in the church. Some guy is going to flip his shoe off, tie his shoelaces. It's just a big sis fest. And if you were to talk like this to somebody like that, they would be completely triggered. They would not be able to stomach it. And this is why all those mega outfits make, make fun of preachers that preach the truth. And they're getting run out of towns because these big mega outfits are appealing to, you know what? People's flesh, their feel good, their amusement, their entertainment. I mean, after all, our kids need more entertainment. Why not give it to them on Sunday? We wouldn't want the little kids to actually have to sit down and listen to somebody talk we got to have lights and flashing and smoke and mirrors and Nickelodeon-style games. And God's just sick of it. And God's preachers are sick of it. And God's preachers are going to stick with preaching the truth. So, you know what that comes with? A price. Because in the same... Verses, it says, 
endure hardness. Hold your chin up. Get your shoulders back. Keep your chest out. And just endure the hardness that's coming. Because it's hard. The Christian life is hard. But we can rejoice in the sacrifice. Now, the Christian life isn't hard in the sense of it's hard to live for Jesus because I love living for the Lord. I know you love living for the Lord. And our persecution isn't anywhere near what it could be. I mean, it's a joke if you even try to think about it, let alone preach on it. There's people in other countries that have given up a lot more than American Christians have given up and endure some hardness. We've got it easy in light of that. But to accomplish anything great for the Lord's army, you've got to be able to endure hardness. I think it's fair to say that. So, you know what the simplest thing to do is? Is to just go after it. You don't need to write a book about it. You don't need to argue with people about your doctrinal position on it. Just go after it. Go and do something for God. Find one person to be a captain and a leader to. Find one person to witness to. Find one family to take under your wing. Just find one. Just start with one and be a captain. Be a leader to that person. Conflict needs leaders that are capable. Here's a poem. I don't read much poetry, but I found this to be fitting. Which are you? There are two kinds of people on earth today. Just two kinds of people, no more, I say. Not the sinner and saint, for it is well understood. The good are half bad, and the bad are half good. Not the rich and the poor, for to rate a man's wealth. You must first know the state of his conscience and health. Not the humble and proud, for in life's little span, who puts on vain airs is not counted a man. Not the happy and sad, for the swift flying years. Each Bring each man his laughter and each man his tears. No, the two kinds of people on earth I mean are the people who lift and the people who lean. Wherever you go, you will find the earth's masses are always divided in just these two classes. And oddly enough, you will find two I ween. There's only one lifter to 20 who lean. In which class are you? Are you easing the load of overtaxed lifters who toil down the road? Or are you a leaner who lets others share your portion of labor and worry and care? I thought that to be fitting. Leaders that are capable are leaders that are lifters. They help lift people up. They help carry the load. That's what we should all be. We should all strive to be that. Conflict needs strong men. It needs capable leaders. But on one condition... We talked about this a bit already. You've got to be able to endure hardness. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, if you go down to verse number 12, it says, If we suffer, we shall also reign. Did Christ suffer? He did. You think you and I, a member of the body of Christ, aren't going to suffer a little bit? I don't think so. We are. Well, it's all going to be varying degrees, but we, we, we are. 
Enduring hardness requires the ability to fight through things, to calmly face problems. And when opposition gets in the way, work through it without complaint. Easier said than done. Here's what I want you to be. Be difficult to discourage. Don't let somebody discourage you. Be able to take some tough shots. When you, when you first start, you, uh, you're, you're uh, I'm going to say Muay Thai, but hardly anybody knows what Muay Thai is except martial art guys. But when you, when you first start training striking, you, you know what you're, you're first going to do? You're going to start lightly kicking a bag. And your shin bone and the instep of your foot is going to start to feel what it's like to hit leather. 40 pounds and then 60 pounds and then 80 pounds and then 100 pounds. You don't start by taking a full leg kick to the body. You start by hitting the bag. So you can feel what it's like for your body to make contact with something else so that you can be prepared to take tough shots. So when you step in the ring and somebody hits you, you don't go crying into the corner. You take it, you eat it, you roll with it. You gotta learn to take some tough shots. Don't be easily discouraged. Learn to take some tough shots. Be able to press on and move on. Kids have a hard time with this. Somebody calls them a name. They got to call them a name. And then they got to return with another name. And then they're just caught in this loop of the whole thing explodes. When the easiest thing to do would just move on. Press on. Learn to move on and learn to press on. And learn to face hardship by trusting in the Lord. It's Memorial Day weekend. This message reminds me of Sergeant Johnny Joey Jones. He had both his legs blown off as a military hero. He lived. And people ask, this is, this is Sergeant Johnny. People ask how I stay so positive after losing my legs. I simply ask how they so, stay so negative with theirs. <laughs> he had his legs blown off. And people ask, why are you so positive? And he looks around and he says, all I see is people with two legs and they're miserable and they complain and I don't get it. It's all in your perspective. It's all in, do you have an eternal view or just this view? I'll never wake up and not have both my legs. American thinking. I'm sure Sergeant Johnny said that. The apostles and the first century Christians knew how to endure hardness. 
modern preacher hasn't a clue. They're going to hang out with the youth group at the movie theater. They're going to talk about the new app on their iPhone. And then they're going to go to the hair salon. These guys go to hair salons. They don't go to barber shops. Everything they do is effeminate. Because they can't endure hardness. That's the philosophy that's being preached and taught from pulpits to children. In this modern, watered-down, American, feel-good, entertainment-based gospel. And it's junk. It's junk. Praise God, there's some good churches preaching some good messages about the Good Shepherd. Alright, the last thing the conflict needs is strong, capable men who can endure hardness and sacrifice the non-essentials. You can't have a soldier going into battle when he's bogged down with all his stuff. I used to tell guys when I take them to tournaments, I was running my academy, I said, look, you guys, here's all you need. You need your gi, your belt, and a mouth guard. You don't need anything else. You forget something, buy it when we're on the way. I don't want them bringing anything. Don't bring the picture of your girlfriend you're going to look at all weekend. Don't bring your guitar because you want to keep... Don't bring anything but what you need. You need your gi, you need your belt, and you need a mouth guard. Now get out there and fight and get the job done. I don't want them thinking about anything else. The quickest way you lose a 16, 17, 18, 19, 20-year-old athlete, you know the quickest way you lose him from making it to podium? The quickest way. He gets a girlfriend. He's gone. He's gone. And every single time these fellows tell me, yeah, I'm going to become champion. I'm going to make it. I said, first thing I'll ask him is, do you have a girlfriend? Okay, you got a shot. As soon as you get a girlfriend, it's done. It's over. You're going to leave the planet. And all of a sudden, you don't want to train so hard anymore because you got distracted. You got distracted. And my message to those fellows were, look, girls are poison. Stay away from them. The only way I can try to convince them to stay on course, to hit the goal they wanted. Now, of course, girls aren't poison. I don't want anybody taking that literally. Make it a point that get off focus. And so girls, just so that we equal it out, when you're 16, 17, 18, remember, boys are poison. <laughs> Look, if they're going to get you off track, it's poison. Stay away from it. You living for Jesus? Great. You love God? Great. You sing His hymns? Great. You in a good Bible preaching church? Great. When you're 17 and the boy wants you to get rid of all that, he's poison. He's poison. Boys, same thing. Goes for you. Unnecessary baggage. Leave it at home. Many men and women, many Christian men and women, they're overloaded with too much baggage. And therefore, they can't live the life of a warrior for Christ. They're so weighed down that they can't accomplish anything. 
It's really a great thing to be stripped of all non-essentials. Let's get Hebrews 12. This way, you can be ready to fight the real conflict in life. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter number 12, verse number 1, let us lay aside every weight. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 1, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. You can't run if you're weighed down. It's hard to have patience when you're weighed down. Lay aside these weights that are weighing you down. Last thing we talk about this morning is who are you and I fighting for and where does our loyalty lie? The Bible says that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Where is our allegiance? Jesus Christ. Where is our loyalty? The Lord Jesus Christ. Our obedience should be to Him. Once our allegiance and our loyalty goes somewhere else, we start fighting for another cause. We start thinking in our minds of other things to do because that becomes the cause. That becomes the conflict that's worth fighting for. All that Jesus Christ did for us made a way for us to be with Him in heaven. We're enlisted in His army. He's the captain of our salvation. Our allegiance, our loyalty, and our obedience should joyfully and gladly be with Him. Would you bow with me, please? Father God, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for making a way of salvation for us. Lord, we're happy to serve You. We're happy to be loyal to You. Help us to obey Your commandments. Help us to want to live our lives for You. In Jesus Christ's name, Amen. Amen. Thanks a bunch for listening. For more information about Pilgrim Baptist Church, be sure to visit us online at pilgrimbaptist.church, where you can also send me a personal message or learn more about joining us for a church service. And remember, Christ is all.